0: Welcome to Happy Class. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm a former special ed teacher turned behavior coach with a passion for teacher well-being. In this class, we believe that all educators are humans first and teachers second. We will be sitting down with educators from all walks of life for some real talk about balance, joy, and what makes us who we are. If you want to be your best self inside the classroom, you have to be your best self outside the classroom first. Today's class is in session. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Happy Class. I am really excited to have my friend with me, Jen. You might know her from online. I'm going to let her introduce herself, though. Go ahead, Jen. Tell, tell us a little bit about you for the people who might not know you before we dive into today's topic.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jen Adams. I am a teacher uh, by day, <laughs> um, and I have uh, several businesses that I've started. Um, one that is most Known in the teacher community is the one that I started called Teach Love Autism. It's a blog, it's a website, a store, um, lots of information about teaching, especially in special education, working with students with intellectual disabilities. Uh, and then also, um, that's kind of what I've wrapped all my social media around as well. So you can find me there. Uh, but um, when I'm not doing that, I am a wife and a mother and, uh, I guess, a, a dog mom as well. Um, and, uh, have a home that we do lots of, I think more unique things than your average homeowner does. So I'm excited kind of to share some of that with everyone today.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. And one of the things I think I've mentioned to you personally, uh, is that me and my husband are interested in this whole topic of gardening and homesteading. And I know a little bit about what that looks like for you, but not a whole lot. So I'm excited to learn more about how this shows up in your life and hopefully learn some things that like I can apply to some of my little homestead dreams that me and my husband have too. So I mean, how did you even get into this homesteading and gardening kind of lifestyle in the first place? Well, I
1: mean, even as a kid, um, one side of my family, uh, my mom's parents, uh, gardened. So they had a vegetable okay. garden in their backyard, and I would go over and we would pick things and we would, you know, pick tomatoes and make tomato sauce, and um, we would help with the weeding and things like that. So I will say, um, it, it wasn't a giant piece of my life growing up as a kid. I think I even remember my parents having a garden in the backyard for a couple of years where, again, we grew maybe some tomatoes and pepper plants, nothing crazy, um, kind of your typical home garden. Um, but then... Um, as I met my husband and he kind of had, um, this dream of being able to kind of have a sustainable lifestyle that was more us Mm -hmm. being able to provide for ourselves and have this opportunity to grow our own food and raise some animals and things like that. Um, I will say the gardening comes pretty, pretty easy to me and I do enjoy it The the animal side, I don't dislike them. I'm just not quite as comfortable with it. (laughs) So it's been an yeah. effect for, um, you know, kind of doing that. So that's kind of where it all started. I will definitely say it was more my husband that kind of wanted to go with it. And I'm the kind of person when I get into something new, I just start to learn everything I can about it. So that's kind of what I've done.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I know people listening to this probably wouldn't know this, but you and I kind of grew up in the same area, which has some like rural parts to it and your husband is kind of from our semi-rural area too Mm -hmm. right yeah so was he homesteading and things around here growing up i know you Uh, guys live a little Bit of yeah. a distance and more yeah. of a rural, I mean, rural, we both,
1: rural. But- yeah. I mean we both grew up in the suburbs um by you know yeah. what you would call the community that we were in. Um but no I don't believe his family if they did it was like very small like backyard gardening, nothing, nothing on a massive scale, yeah. no farm, no nothing like that kind of a thing. So it's yeah. just just kind of this love or this idea of wanting to be able to sustain yourself, like not have to always go to the mm-hmm. grocery store to get your vegetables or not always have to go to get your eggs, yeah. right? That kind of
0: a thing yeah and where you live now it's not really much of an option to go to the grocery (laughs) store as easily as maybe places that you lived before right yeah the area was that kind of on purpose
1: uh I mean, it's very rural, so yeah. So yeah. it um it kind of lends itself more to that lifestyle. I will say there's a larger community of people that actually are farmers, and it's their occupation, and they they grow and mm-hmm. do all that stuff for a living, um, as opposed to you know some other career field. So it's more common where we are. Um, I think some of it comes to when you're in a rural area, you tend to have more land, right? Than maybe in the suburbs, yeah. you only have a, you know, you have a smaller sure. property. You don't have the space. If you have a dog, you need a place for them to run. So a vegetable garden isn't going to work for you or having farm animals in a subdivision isn't going to work out too well. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that kind of yeah, right. to it too. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of, it's definitely helped us. We did have a garden when we lived in a more suburb area though as well we did not have the animals because we could not that was like an ordinance with with the area so well
0: and like i was saying like my my husband sounds very similar to yours where like he just loves that idea of being out in the land and connected to nature and you know self-sustaining and living off the land but we live in a townhouse (laughs) so for us right now it looks like i have a couple uh tomato and pepper pots sitting on my little deck (laughs) in my (laughs) townhome development and like that's that's where we started you know is just like okay we can have some pots but but Mm -hmm. our dream is to be in a more rural space and to have the land and all that stuff and we'll see we'll see what that looks like down the road for us but um it's it's so cool for me hearing you kind of be almost where we hope to be in a few years. Even in terms of right. like your husband is really into it and you're more just along for the ride. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I love that. So what is your what is your homestead like right now? Like I know the gardening comes really easily, but you do have some animals. Like are you comfortable sharing how much land you guys do have that you homestead on? Um, I would say
1: currently about four to five acres um, is okay. the land that we have access to. Now, we don't have a garden that's five acres size. <laughs> that would <Yeah>. be <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit <laughs> um, So, I'm not really great with square footage or information like that. Um, but, um, I mean, I want to say we have like 50 tomato plants. If that gives you a perspective, we've got like 20 cucumber plants. We, you know, have probably 20 zucchini or squash, uh, plants. So, you know, we've got cabbage, lettuce, broccoli, cauliflower, rhubarb, kale. Uh, what else can I say? Beans, uh, radishes, uh, beets, peppers of all different hot, and bell peppers. Uh, I'm thinking I got everything green beans uh, and herbs as well. So lots of different herbs. Think of like okay. basil, cilantro. I've made a lot of salsa <laughs> in the last few weeks. <laughs> we've had so many cucumbers and tomatoes coming in. Um, yeah. So, so we have we have a lot. Um, I And we have in the past um, canned and preserved it. So, you know, we've, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have a, a great knowledge of that. My husband actually has done more of the canning than I have mm-hmm. where you take the process oh, okay. of putting it in the jars and then pressure cooking it and it'll stay longer and things like that. Um, but when you have a garden of a certain size, you're either giving it away, you're throwing it away, or you know you're you're figuring out a way to keep it for longer in a different way. So we kind of got yeah. creative with that. Um, another big part of what we do with our gardening also is composting. So obviously, mm-hmm. compost can be really beneficial to your garden um, by yeah. you know putting that back into the ground the next year. So we kind of try to have a mindset that you know we're not being completely wasteful because if we're putting it into the compost obviously you're scraps so if i take you know a tomato and i cut out the inside core of it i'm putting that into the compost that's going back in i know the next year Mm -hmm. in the ground so i don't feel like i'm being wasteful and not because i would eat that piece of the tomato anyways but even if there's like you know, a couple tomatoes that go bad. Like, I don't feel so bad about it because I know we're we're kind of using it in another way. It's kind of like circle of life, I guess, kind of thing I look at it (laughs) as.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And that adds to that idea of like the sustainability of, okay, like we not only grow our own food, but we actually use our food waste to then grow our future food. And like, I just, I love that kind of stuff. We joined a CSA this year, stands for community shared agriculture and so i totally feel you on the making a lot of salsa recently (laughs) because we've been getting so many tomatoes i made pasta sauce i made salsa i uh i've I've been just trying to use up all of these tomatoes and i feel like we can't use them fast enough we're trying to give them away but that's what's gotten me thinking that if i'm gonna do a csa again in the future i'm gonna have to find some way to can or preserve Mm -hmm. all of these vegetables because it's so good to eat fresh and I really enjoy cooking with it and experimenting with it but it is it can be almost overwhelming to make that shift from like I'm not just buying what I need at the store I'm being given whatever happened to grow right (laughs) and and like you just have to learn to work with it and it's it's a learning curve a little Mm -hmm. bit I feel yeah and the the canning
1: um, like, I mean, it's so great in the winter time to be able to go and we'll, we'll do one, one recipe we did one year was just taking cherry tomatoes. Cause they're sometimes hard when you get a ton of them to know what else to do with them other than just throwing them in a salad or maybe a pasta salad or something. Um, so one year, um, we just took them and threw them in a can with a little bit of olive oil. Um, and when I say can, I mean like a Mason ball jar, um, for canning mm-hmm. purposes, um, and throw a couple leaves of basil in and just pressure cooked it. And when we opened them, like in the winter, we we just opened them to pour over like pasta or maybe over like some chick, like Ooh. breaded chicken, almost like a, a chicken parm, but used the t- those tomatoes instead of a sauce and then threw some cheese and baked it in yeah. the oven. Um, and just the difference that you taste when you're tasting your mm-hmm. own grown food um and i'm sure anyone that's experienced maybe getting stuff from a farmers market you you notice a difference between what you're getting at the grocery For store sure. and what you're getting when it's fresh and you know it's right off the farm or right out of your your own personal garden um but that was a really cool thing too to see like okay we can preserve this but it's still going to have you know that taste that you know it was grown homegrown, like it's not there's just you know i just don't think you can beat that taste because even my kids will say we've grown carrots in the past in our garden and they love to eat just mm-hmm. carrots so i'll sometimes when it's out of season and we're not growing anything or don't have them you know you grab a bag at the grocery store and they're like mom these do not yeah. taste as good as the ones in <laughs> on the back garden i'm like i know yeah
0: you <laughs> just yeah well yeah and even how you mentioned like farmers markets um i remember the first time i got farmers markets carrots and i like baby carrots too so i just took the carrots and i cut them into basically like baby carrot size pieces and how much longer they last Mm -hmm. like blew my mind the fact that they are so fresh from the ground that they they just they lasted so much longer they tasted so much better and i don't really like vegetables but I'm finding that when they're high quality, that when they're fresh from the ground, when I've grown them or picked them myself, or I know the people who grew them or picked them, all of a sudden I like vegetables. I'm like, who am I? (laughs) (laughs) You know, my mom, I'll send her a recipe. She'll be like, you eat that? I'm like, yeah, I do now. (laughs) It always makes her laugh a little bit. So, okay, so tell me a little bit, I know the animals aren't quite your thing, but, um your so part of your land is your garden and I'm mm-hmm. guessing that the other part of your land is probably pasture for your animals and things.
1: Yeah, and I mean we still have some recreational land, you know that we have two dogs that, you know, we walk and the kids can play outside and stuff. So our entire property is not overtaken. I'm sure (laughs) maybe one day my husband (laughs) would love to do that. Make every inch. Yeah. Right. He's very much like a wants to use everything as best as it can be. Right. Kind of a Mm -hmm. mentality. And I get that. Um, But yeah, so we do have a piece of um, area on our property um, where we have chickens. So Uh, We have a coop and we have a fenced in area where they can get, you know, go out and travel a bit and do some some digging in the ground and scratching up things. And um, so that's the only, uh, I guess, farm animals that we have at the current moment. Um, but would love to. Um, we're talking about goats. So that's a potential of getting goats so we can do milk and cheese and things like that. Yeah. Um, and we don't, we don't quite have enough land for cows. It's not enough space, you know, okay. for the larger animals, things like that. I'm not even sure if I would <laughs> be able to handle a cow. We do have some friends that have goats. So we've <laughs> kind of seen a little bit of what they, though, but they have male goats, so they don't do the milk. Um, but we have okay. a little bit of at least like what the care is like, what kind of maintenance, what kind of area do you need, what kind of yeah, housing yeah. do they need, you know, things like what shelter do they need when they're not in the daytime, that kind of thing. Um, so, so we've kind of thought that that might be the next uh, thing that we'll add in. But um, with the chickens uh, they're pretty low maintenance honestly. They kind of just do their thing. The yeah. big thing is you let them out of their coop, you let them run around, you feed them, you make sure they have water and then you just grab eggs. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, I mean, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean they're I mean are they taking up space on your property of course, you know? Are they something you need to worry mm-hmm. about? Um, you know, things like when we go on vacation, we need somebody to let the chickens out and feed them. We can't just, you know, go away on vacation, just like you would a pet, right? You'd need somebody to come and check your dog or take them out for you. Things like that. Um, they're not completely, you know, able to be on their own, but, um, other than, and my kids actually do a lot of it. They're the ones that get them out in the morning, feed them, make sure they have water. Um, and yeah. then at night that lock up the coop to make sure nothing can get to them because there are some predators that at nighttime will try to get in there to mm-hmm. eat the eggs or, or a, some chicken. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Yep. So, but other than um, that- Yeah. That's awesome. Have you guys ever done or thought about doing
1: pigs? Um, my husband's mentioned it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we, <laughs> we don't have a barn on the property. So I feel like when we get to those okay. like, bigger animals, like you almost need something like that. So we don't have that at this time, gotcha. but, but yeah, my husband would love to probably have every type of animal possible and just not have to ever go to the grocery store ever. Um, <laughs> however, Um, you also have to understand the other side with those animals, if you're eating them is the butchering side, which Mm -hmm. is not anything we've tapped into yet. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that's something that I think, um, without getting too graphic or go down this rabbit hole too much for any listeners who might not be into that kind of (laughs) conversation, um. That's something that we've definitely considered because we're part of. In addition to the produce CSA that we're a part of, we also are members at a chicken CSA. Okay. Um. There's a poultry farm near us that also does community shared agriculture. Basically, for those who might be listening and not know what that means, we pay a subscription price. Essentially, like we pay an amount upfront, and then we get food from them periodically for a certain number of months. Okay. Um. And so our chicken CSA farmer his name's Jordan. It's kind of cool knowing like the right. people who raise our food. Jordan does a um he calls it a course. Okay. Uh, he does a thing called backyard meat where he actually has people come to his farm and learn how to raise their own chickens and process their own chickens okay. and kind of equipping people to be homesteaders and yeah. to farm their own meat at home. And, it, and it's really, really cool. It's something that my husband and I definitely want to do. But when you start thinking about that, there are all of the kind of emotional implications <laughs> of like, oh, I'm raising these animals, but I'm yeah. also using them for food. And then how you said that your kids are involved mm-hmm. in raising them. And, and I love that idea for, you know, I don't have children now, but for my future children, raising them in that environment of taking care of the garden and taking right. care of the animals. And what does that look like if those animals are also our food, I think there's just a lot of nuanced conversation around those types of things. But I will say that the same way you're talking about the difference between like farm grown and homegrown produce versus grocery store produce, the farm grown and homegrown chicken completely different yes. from grocery store chicken
1: yes the and quality I would, the of it eggs, is just
0: not even comparable
1: the eggs are completely different i mean we even did a we did yeah. a little with my kids my daughter was was like we should do an experiment mom let's go to the grocery store and buy eggs and then let's
0: Mm -hmm. Take,
1: you know, some of our eggs from our chickens and let's cook them both. We did this like right at the very beginning when we first got them. And we like made like two versions of scrambled eggs. One was ours and one was the grocery. And we like ate them and we were like, yeah, you can taste it. You can taste Mm -hmm. the difference between um, between them for sure. And we, um, like I said, we don't obviously do any other meats ourselves or any other, uh, food like that, but we have, um, purchased grass fed beef from other farms, kind of similar to your CSA. Mm -hmm. Um, and we can tell the difference between that and the grocery store, um, just because it's not so overly processed and, you know, whatever. You know they do versus what the grocery store does. It's it's less Mm -hmm. you know intrusive. So we even notice that difference between that. But the eggs for sure, you can tell a big difference between them.
0: Yeah, we had uh, family friends growing up who had chickens. I used to house sit for them all the time, and one of my favorite things was that I would just go out to the coop, I'd let the chickens out, and I'd grab the eggs, and they were always like, you know make yourself breakfast, eat whatever is in the house. And I would always make myself homemade, (laughs) like literally straight from the coop, eggs in the morning. And it was like my favorite part of um, house sitting for them. And I'm somebody who doesn't even really like eggs that much, (laughs) but those eggs, those eggs I like, it's kind of like the veggies, those veggies I like. Um, And it's just amazing. And also knowing what's going into them too, like knowing what's in the soil and what fertilizers are being Mm -hmm. used or what feed those animals, those chickens are eating, Yeah, um, I think is just so empowering and just like being aware of what you're putting into your body in such a new and like intentional kind of way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I didn't mention it before when I was talking about the composting, but our chickens are also another Mm -hmm. line of um, where we can put uh, some of our gardening scraps that maybe we're not, we actually have two composts. We have one that's chicken friendly and one that's not, um, because we'll compost things mm. like coffee grounds, which are not okay for chickens to have. And then it's kind of like your dog, right? Most people think of a dog can have chocolate or some other items that we know are like big no-nos for dogs, um, to make it more maybe, um, what is that relevant for most of the listeners here that may not be used to doing composting or homesteading. Um, but we actually have two composts one for the chicken and we'll put things like the insides of peppers, the insides of tomatoes, the ends of a cucumber that you may not eat, you know, the greens off the top of a carrot. Um, the other day I pulled out a big head of cabbage and the outside leaves. If you don't know, typically are very tough, um, they're usually not the leaves mm-hmm. you want to eat off of the head of cabbage. Usually at the grocery store, they're already taken off at that point. So you're not seeing them, but if you're getting it from a farmer's market, those outer ones, sometimes the bugs get to them and eat, you know, put some holes in them and stuff like that. So those I throw into the chickens. So they're eating the stuff from our garden as well. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So we kind of have a whole circle that if it doesn't go to them, you know, that way it goes, you know, in another way, it's all kind of working together.
0: I, I just think it's so neat and so unique and our world has just drifted so much from understanding where our food comes from and understanding how it's all interconnected and a little context. The whole reason that, like I said, my husband has been into this idea of homesteading for, I don't know, I feel like his whole life. Um, he's always wanted to do something like that. But for me, it was always just kind of like, Oh, cool. That like, that sounds cool. But what first got us into the CSAs and the farmer's market was actually my head injury. I couldn't go to grocery stores. I couldn't handle the aisles, the bright lights, the loud sounds, um, the decision fatigue, having like 20 different brands of spaghetti sauce to pick from, but I could handle, walking up to a table and picking up a bag of tomatoes, I could mm-hmm. handle that. And that's what got us first into the farmer's market. And I'm so glad that it did. Like I always consider it one of the like, I call them the gifts of the injury, air quotes, <laughs> right? Um, that I'm, I'm so thankful that I've ha- had the opportunity to experience that because it's made me so much more interested in the idea of doing it myself. And really, shifted my values for what I want my future to hold for myself and my family. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I, I wish more people, um, had access to farm fresh foods. I wish more people had access to land. Like I know it's a very privileged thing that I have this beautiful farmers market every week, all year round, very near my house. Um, but it's just the, the mindfulness, of homesteading or farmer's markets or even just having pots on your patio is just really special to me. Um, And I don't know, I don't know if you've had that much of like a sentimental kind of experience with it, but I just wish more people experienced it.
1: Yeah. I think there's, well, I mean, I think you kind of learn to own it more, right? Like it becomes part yeah. of your lifestyle. It becomes part of what you do and whether you're growing it yourself in your backyard or getting it from a, a farm or a farmer's market or wherever we used to go to a few farms that were just local to us and get things that way too. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, I think that when you're, like you said, understanding where your food is coming from, understanding the time it takes to grow it, the the work that goes in even before seeds go into the ground. I mean, there is tons of things that happen. Um, and then just that yeah. process of learning how how things grow. And then, you know, and that for us has been really important as well for our children, right? Um, there's been yes. a big gap, I think, in some of the generations of, of teaching that like where parents are passing those skills down because we have grocery stores everywhere. It's very easy to go grab what I need at the grocery store. I don't need to learn Mm -hmm. how to grow it. I don't need to learn how to make butter. I can just grab a stick at the store, right? So um, Mm -hmm. for us, some of it was also Mm -hmm. about instilling that in our children that even though maybe both of us weren't raised on a farm and both of us weren't, um, we wanted to show them one, mom and dad wanted to learn something and they did, right? So we wanted to show like, just cause you yeah. maybe weren't raised that way or it wasn't a part of your lifestyle before, doesn't mean it can't be now. And then also mm-hmm. just that concept of, of getting them to, to respect and understand the work that goes into growing all that food. So you're more respectful of it. You're not as quick to throw out half a salad you bought at the grocery store because maybe you respect the fact that you know somebody's right. time to grow all of those things. So maybe you start composting instead because of that reason or you find some other way to re- repurpose and reuse it Um for that reason. So I will say that my girls, um, they're both like elementary age kids. Um, They've started to learn like, oh, I go spend an hour helping mom weed in the garden and pick vegetables. Like, I I don't wanna make that time go unwasted and just throw things away, right? So there's definitely some respect built there for that as well.
0: This might be an interesting question, but do you think it helps them be less of picky eaters? Um,
1: I think so, but there's definitely some things that they just will not. <laughs> just will not <laughs> they're not, still kids that makes sense um you yeah. know I'll bring something in from the garden and they are not about it like my one daughter loves snap peas so she will eat them like mm-hmm. while we won't even pick them like she will literally just pick and eat them they never make it into the house um and then <laughs> my other daughter loves cherry tomatoes same story like literally we're picking them and they're not even making it into the house but then there's some other things like the broccoli there they could you know kind of care less about if, you know, that makes it in the house or the cabbage, some of those things. But, um, I think it's broadened their horizons. They've never, they never had rhubarb before these past few years that we started growing it. And I started making some things Mm -hmm. with rhubarb and they were like, Oh, I actually like this. Um, so it's giving them different opportunities to try things, things like beets and things that, I mean, yes, they're at Mm -hmm. the grocery store, but they're maybe not as common. I mean, everybody knows tomatoes, cucumbers, that kind of stuff you you can pretty much get at any grocery store, no matter what size, uh, community you live in. Um, but some of the other things that are a little more unique, um, I think, um, we've kind of broadened their horizons a little bit and while they may not always choose it as their first choice to eat. We've kind of worked on, you know, being respectful of what we have, right? And that, you know, we've been given this and provided this, and and we grew it ourselves. Let's let's make sure we're using it wisely and putting it into our bodies to help us. So um, that's kind of like just a whole mindset that we've tried to create with our kids as well. And anybody that meets me, I joked with my husband the other day that I'm like a scrunchy mom, which is apparently a term. <laughs> you know, like you're crunching in the fact yeah, that you yeah. grow your own food, you have some animals, you believe in maybe more natural type things. But then I'm also the same mom that I may have ran to the farmer's market and got fresh produce for my family, but we may grab McDonald's for lunch, right? So we've got like yeah, the balance yep. there um so that's kind of like i joked with my husband about that the other day of like we we have these these things we like to stick to but you know what you gotta live life sometimes and go eat the cheeseburger too
0: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and and it's funny that you use the term scrunchie because i have a a close friend of mine who has a um a four month old and so she's kind of embracing yeah. scrunchie as a new that mom that comes with and- motherhood
1: too because you think oh i'm gonna do all these things and then the baby comes and you might go okay maybe i'm not gonna do all these things but it's okay
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and and so she always jokes that like i'm probably gonna end up being a scrunchie mom too someday <laughs> so <laughs> well it's um, no i i love you that <laughs> Well, and I think that there's that balance of putting your health f- first in, in a lot of ways and prioritizing your health and having a lifestyle that prioritizes health, whether that's even just the the physical exercise that you get from going right. out and gardening and tending mm-hmm. to your animals too. Like it's it's just a very healthy lifestyle, but it doesn't mean you don't go and live your life. Yeah. You know, yeah. like for me with eating very... Um, eating a lot more local foods and starting to grow very small amounts of our own food and the CSA and the farmers markets and that kinds of thing. I eat very healthy at home. But when I go out, I order whatever I want. If I want pizza, I'm getting pizza. If I want a cheeseburger, I'm getting cheeseburger. If my husband, you know, stops for donuts for work, he might pick up a couple extra to bring home for us to have. Like I still eat what I want, but I have a much more balanced perspective um because of just the exposure and the opportunities to eat fresh foods but it doesn't mean it's all I eat like I'm not rigid about it and I think that's good to to find that middle ground um so some people when they either get plants or get animals or whatever it's really more of a hobby but it, it doesn't sound like it's just a hobby for you and your family, right? No,
1: definitely not. I mean, it's providing food for us, whether we're eating it, you know, when we pick it or if we're preserving it and canning it and putting it away for another time mm-hmm. of the year. Um, and of course, it, you know, like I had mentioned before, we're we're trying to instill some of that, pass on of that information to our own children. So it really is something we're using to kind of um, I almost consider it part of the the curriculum of what we're teaching our children in life, right? So, you know, they yeah. like academics in school, but this is some life skills. This is some sustainability skills that, you know, we want to pass mm-hmm. on to them. So we're using that to do that as well. Um, so it's definitely not just a hobby. Will I say that, um, are we hardcore? Probably not as hardcore as like (laughs) most people are. Some
0: people are really hardcore. Like some people are like, some people compost some really weird stuff like some people are just very extreme yeah. you know yeah so um,
1: we're using it for what it can provide us but we're we're also yeah. you know like I said yeah. I'm a teacher so I'm not just out in my garden all day long like I don't have that time right. so so it's it's not a hobby because it provides us with our food um or at least some of our food and and things like that but it's definitely it's not my career either kind of a thing yeah. So.
0: Yeah. How much of your food that you eat each week would you say comes from your garden versus comes from a more more traditional source like a like a typical grocery store? Right. Um
1: I would say like 40% comes from our our garden and our, you know, with the eggs and things like that. And in the summer, it's even better because that's when it's all growing and it's fresh. So we're right. I mean, I think every day for the last three weeks I've eaten salad. So whether it's been at lunch or dinner, you know what I mean? Just because we have it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I was telling my daughters the other day, I was like, well, if you don't want to help me can it, then eat it. (laughs) That's the (laughs) other way to get around it. Right. And I just won't buy. Right. And I was actually just making a grocery list, uh, for us to go pick up some groceries for the the items. Obviously we don't grow. Um, and I went, Oh, I don't need to buy tomatoes. I don't need to. Whereas in the winter, if we don't have it, I might have to spend a little money on doing that. And of course there's a trade-off because people will go, yeah, you didn't spend money at the grocery store on tomatoes, but you spent time, which is money. And of course it is, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. do that, you spent money on the seeds, you spent money on the plants or however you chose to do it. Um, things like yeah. that. And there's definitely that, that trade-off. I think some people might like, I feel like for a little while, people were like, oh, if you grow your own garden, you're saving a ton of money. I- I'm not really sure if you actually are um, once you take yeah, the money yeah. That you're putting into it and maybe the supplies that you use when you do it. Um, but for me, it's more like I said, it's about that knowing I'm providing for myself, for my family. I'm teaching my kids mm-hmm. how to do it. That is more uh, kind of more the morals for me of why we're doing it as opposed to, um, am I actually saving money? Um, I mean, yeah, that's probably where it more comes from.
0: Yeah. I just think it's so cool and I love your perspective on it of wanting to pass this on to your girls and wanting to equip them with the knowledge that maybe you didn't have growing up and, and you hope that like they won't ever truly need that information, but you never know. And, and there's. There's just such a value to having those hard skills, um, and those practical things, and 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 just being willing to get a little dirt under your fingernails, you know. Yeah, I think I think there is there is a a beauty to that in its own way. So, um, yeah. So when you you mentioned about like in the winter going and getting more stuff at the grocery store than you do over the summer. First of all, I totally relate to that with the CSA. My grocery list is like five items sometimes. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I need hardly anything at the store because I got Mm -hmm. so much at the farm. But um, when you do go to the store in the winter, do you find yourself buying, like say you need spaghetti sauce, like in, in the summer, you're making a marinara sauce for whatever reason. Um, and you're using your homemade tomatoes to make that. Mm-hmm. But in the winter, do you still buy like the fresh whole tomatoes to make it yourself? Or do you still go out and get just like a jar of sauce? Um, kind of actually the
1: in-between. So okay. I don't have the time to be in the like in the winter and that's even more when I'm teaching too, as opposed to the summer where right. I have a little more time. Um, I'm not going and grabbing the tomatoes. Um, But we, I can't tell you the last time I've actually eaten a jar of store-bought tomato sauce, unless somebody else has prepared it for me and I didn't know, Mm. Um, we will do like the canned tomatoes and I will throw all that in the crock pot. So like, think of like tomato paste, your diced tomatoes, your whole tomatoes that you get canned, put all that in, um, in a, like a crock pot and let that cook long, right? Slow and long time. Um, which is what I would do with my gardening tomatoes as well. and then the herbs i'm putting in so it's it's a, it's like a semi-homemade right because it's not yeah <laughs> sure yeah, it's yeah. Still bought from the store right. but it's still not buying it directly as a jar of spaghetti sauce or marinara sauce it's still making it a little bit is what i typically do and then all the herbs i put in are all my dried herbs from my garden because we will dehydrate awesome. the herbs and put them in containers and keep them so i have parsley and basil and all of that stuff from our garden um that we've dried in a dehydrator um so that we have the herbs for so i'm not buying i mean i still have to occasionally buy some herbs but uh for the most part we're we're using it from our garden still yeah
0: you'll have to teach me how to use the dehydrator because i have a like a kitchen appliance that suppose it's like a some like 11 in one kind of it's like a crock pot and an instant pot and uh like it's all these things um and supposedly it's a dehydrator and i have a dehydrator okay. rack for it but i've never tried it okay um so i'm i might i might need some dehydrator tips for you <laughs> when i get around to doing yeah we that. don't
1: have one of those 11 in one tools that's it's interesting to me so <laughs> it was like, from
0: costco okay <laughs>
1: um i mean i have like your traditional like crock pots that are you know from walmart and that kind of stuff um but our yeah, dehydrator yeah, yeah. i believe we spent a little bit of a money on because my husband wanted it. And it's got like eight racks, Yeah, but it's this big box. It looks like a very old school microwave. Um, and it just has this piece that you pull off and all the racks come out and you lay out the stuff that you want to do on there. You put it in, oh, that's and it so has cool. like a, a knob that has settings on it that says, you know, if you're making, apparently you can make jerky in it and you can make dried fruits in it mm-hmm. and you can do the herbs and we just put it to the herb setting and, and let it run. Um, it's course until it's ready. And then you can just, take it off of there. And, um, that's when we'll take it and we'll put like whole leaves of parsley. So if, if you're familiar or even basil, like, you know, it comes as like a leaf off the plant because it's all crushed up already. We put the whole leaves on there, pull it off the dehydrator once it's dried and then stick it inside, usually a Ziploc bag and like Hand crush it up and then put it into the. That casing.
0: sounds so much easier than the idea of like chopping it up nice and oh, small yeah. before. No, you know, oh. no, just put it
1: in whole leaf <laughs> and you can break it up once it's dried. It all the liquids out of it, so it crushes up real easy. Think of like a leaf in the fall that's dead that you crunch yeah. up. It's the same concept.
0: Yeah, I I don't know why. I'm gonna blame the head injury. So <laughs> <why> I not <laughs> think of that myself. Because our CSA has some herbs and stuff, and I've just gotten it that I'm like, oh, I'll use some fresh basil this week. But I, I would love to get into dehydrating and um, doing that with some of the herbs that we get. And also, uh, I've I've always wanted to do apple chips. Mm. That's one thing that my husband, when we get land, he would love to get an apple tree.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and kind of figuring out that that side of like orchard type Mm -hmm. fruits um, on our land too. But this is a long ways off for us. (laughs) Like I said, we just look up to to you and, and others that we learn from along the way in the meantime. But okay, so this is happy class, Jen. And at the end of every happy class, we always wrap it up with some sort of homework, some first action steps that educators could take if they were interested in getting started in something like this. So what would kind of your homework to our listeners be?
1: So if you were interested in starting to grow your own food, vegetables, something like that, I mean, I would recommend finding, and I think they have them, especially in the spring, because obviously that's when a lot of people are, are starting gardens and growing things. Um, go to Walmart or like a Costco or a Sam's Club, something like that. They usually have a little gardening kit, even like a window one. I mean, They probably sell them on Amazon too, hmm. these little like gardening kits and maybe start with the herbs. They're, they're pretty hardy. And when I say hardy, they're pretty hard to kill is what that means. (laughs) Um, whereas there's other plants that are a little more finicky. You have to be more careful with how you water them and things like that. Um, but maybe even getting just like an at home window garden set that you can stick like in your kitchen window. If it gets decent sunlight, something like that is a very small, they make, um, they also make like little greenhouses that you can get that you can keep inside. If that's something you want to go a little hardcore with, but even like you had said, Jenny, the pots on your deck, we did that. My husband and I, mm. the first few years we were dating, um, cause we had a property that, you know, we had a deck and that was, that was about all we, we were able to do at that time. So even just doing it that way, go to your local hardware store and grab some seed packets, throw something in the ground and just see what happens. I feel like that's kind of what we've done. We've kind of added something every year. I kind of treat it Mm, mm -hmm. as, you know, I've learned how to grow maybe 10 things really well. And so this next season I'm going to try this item or, you know, something I haven't tried. So next year I already have plans to try potatoes because we have never grown potatoes before. So that's the, that's a new one we want to try. I feel like there was another one that I mentioned to my husband the other day. That was something we haven't grown a ton of that I would like to try. I can't remember it now that I'm, thinking about it but potatoes is probably our new one for next year we're going to try so just start small right pick one thing that maybe you want to start supplementing your grocery bill with by growing it yourself and then um, go from there.
0: I love it I love it and i'm excited to see what people do to kind of take that first step, because we always share out that they can share what they choose to do for their homework on social media. Right. We use hashtag more than a teacher or uh, they can tag either one of us. I'm going to have your info in our show notes um, so that they can connect with us after this. But I'm excited to see like the community kind of build around. Oh, here's where I found like a home growing kid or here's what I tried or here's a recipe that I made yeah. with, you know, this thing that I grew. Um, so I'm 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 just excited to see how other people learn and grow and and come to love this the same way that I think you seem to and I'm starting to. um, And just the the passion because the homesteading community is like its own. Oh, absolutely. (laughs)
1: Yes. That's a nice little rabbit hole that sometimes my husband will catch me either on Facebook or Instagram. And I'm watching stories of people, you know, pruning their tomato plants. And he's like, what are you learning about this week? I'm like, oh, how to trellis our cucumbers and help them grow and, you know, do those (laughs) kind of things. Or uh, I know there's a lot of people that are more into maybe house plants. I feel like that's a trend that's kind of Mm -hmm. coming and people are doing things like propagation. Yeah. And um, so that's even another way to start small, right? You're not relying on it for food at that point. So that's another idea for your homework for doing that. But there's definitely some rabbit holes totally. you can find yourself on. And if you're not a book reader or something like that, try social media because, you know, there's YouTube videos and, and TikToks and Instagram reels all about just gardening. I mean, a lot of us get sucked in being educators in the teacher side of all of that, but there's mm-hmm. rabbit holes for pretty much anything you can think of so (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i'm sure
1: and animals and and gardening is your thing you can find you know a rabbit hole for that too
0: yeah so this will be a cool little crossover between like the homesteading social media world and the teacher social media world um it'll be fun thank you so much for joining us thanks for sharing with us about um just your family and letting us kind of take a glimpse into your life because i know this is a huge part of it
1: thank you for having me
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, friend. Be sure to head over to our Instagram at happyclass.pod to connect with me and today's special guest. Also, help a girl out and leave us a review. This gets the word out that we are all hashtag more than a teacher. Finally, do you know someone who you think would just be the perfect future guest please send me an email to jenny at bravingbsel.com so I can go hit them up. All right, we'll see you next. Happy class.